Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So if you have been listening this whole week, you know that we are talking about communication, the power of words, and how we talk to one another, and what words really mean. So I want to start this um, show with just some really powerful Bible verses that you may want to to jot down. And if you're driving, you can't do that. So you can make sure that you check out the website and listen to the show and the entire series. Uh, so I really like this first one. And this is Proverbs 18:21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is a really amazing verse to say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruits, not those that hate it. We don't want to hate words, and we don't want to even indulge in hateful words or hateful thinking. And so that whole idea that we can bring life to people through what we say, we can also bring death to them. Now, this does not mean that we should not use words in both ways. There are many times that we use words to deconstruct something. We use words to destroy lies, false pretenses, anything that rises against God and and our faith. We use words to do that, but we don't use words to harm. So even if we are using a word to destroy something or tear something down, it's actually to bring life. So I want you to consider the power of what you are saying. And we talked in previous shows that we know that God created the world with words. He calls things into existence with a word. And we talked about how words change your brain. They even can change the organic structure of your brain. So Ephesians uh, 4.29, this says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So as a psychotherapist, this this is sometimes a little bit confusing for people because it's important to say how we feel. It's important to be able to bear our heart. It's important to be able to give voice to my concerns or my hurts or my worries, my upsets, if I'm angry with someone and something about what they did. So what this is saying is let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So I can talk about how I feel, but if I cross the line and I start judging who that person is, and I start saying I know their heart and their intention and they're an evil person or a bad person or they did this on purpose to me or they're untrustworthy and they haven't proven themselves to necessarily be untrustworthy. The corrupting talk means that what I am saying is not bringing life. So I have to be careful when I'm voicing my opinions, careful when I am talking about hurt 
about someone, that they have hurt me or that I'm upset with them or frustrated, irritated, annoyed, disgusted even with their behaviors, that I'm not ever assaulting their value because this person is still loved deeply by God and this person is still valuable to God. So the corrupting part comes when I start assigning judgment, intention, or I embellish, or I read into it. And that then begins to create a manner in which other people may see that person. And if they don't know that person, and they are not necessarily a healthy, mature person, they might take what you're saying at face value, make the judgment, borrow the judgment from you, and now it becomes their opinion. And they might not even know the person you're talking about. So let's look at Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This means that when we are working on being grown adults, that we are able to not talk until we understand what we may actually be saying. Because we can't take the words back. And I'm sure that you've heard rash words. I'm sure you've heard words that have just slipped out or someone has said something and how, how crushing those words felt or how deeply they pierced your heart. And maybe you even bought into it and believed it, believed what they said about you. We have a lot of that happening when we're growing up. And parents say things that they might not understand the lasting um, power, the impact of it. And we carry those with us, those vows, those judgments. So it's very important that we understand that we want to really be on top of our tongue. And not just talking off the top of our head and just saying whatever we feel and whatever we think. That's what little children do. And that's why we help them to control their mouths. We help them to know how to talk appropriately, who to share things with. So how about Matthew uh, chapter 12, 36? This is, a, this is a big one. This is kind of overwhelming to me in, in, if, if I want to be honest with you. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. I mean, that's heavy. That means that when I stand before God, I give an account for every thought, word, and deed. Now, if I repent of them, right, if I forgive it, then it is cast as far as the east is from the west, it is remembered no more. But I have to be careful how many words I'm throwing out there during the day and the lasting impact, the reverberation of that word or, that, or the context or the concept or the implication that I've established with the way that I have said something. And we talked earlier this week about tone and how careful we want to be about tone. So Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. I mean, I'm sure that you have felt what it feels like when someone had mercy on you, when someone was comforting or encouraging to you. When, when you said, you know, they said this about me, and that person said, oh my gosh, they were having a bad day. Don't take that in. That's not you. Or if you did really mess up, if they say something to you like, you know, we all make mistakes. How can I help you? How, how can we turn this around? And I forgive you. 
So we can bring life wherever we go. With the words that we say, the way we structure the sentence, the tone of our voice, whether it's sincere or whether it has sarcasm or passive aggressiveness in it. But we can bring, we can bring sweetness to the soul and health to their body. How about this? Proverbs 15, verse 1. This says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I know how frustrating it can be when you simply just want to have a feeling. You know, you just, you just want to say how you feel. And it sets the other person off, and now we're off to the races, and now it turns into something it should never have been, and it gets more complicated. And so it is an issue of discipline. And that's, that's how we really want to think about it. This is an issue of discipline. Because nobody can tell me what to do as an adult. I can say whatever I want, wherever I want to say it, however I want to say it, and to whomever I want to say it to. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to incur the consequences or reap what I sow. So it's an immature thought to think I should just be able to say whatever I want to say and you should just be able to handle it. So we want to be kind with one another. So Matthew 15, 18 says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. This means it, ha it has like a, a circular effect. So whatever's going on in my heart, whatever I'm harboring in my mouth, it, it, harboring in my heart, it comes out of my mouth, and then it ends up defiling me. So we really want to be guarding our hearts. We want to be recognizing when we're hearing these thoughts in our head about somebody and we go, oh, that's a heart condition. I'm thinking hateful things like, well, I hope they get what they deserve. Or saying judgments like, you know, it's not fair. They always get away with everything. How come nobody holds them accountable for anything? And these are the things that we want to recognize. When I'm thinking these thoughts, I need to get a handle on those thoughts because they will probably come out of my mouth if I'm not careful. I like this one. This is Proverbs 21:23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I mean, that's a helpful one. That, that's, this one, if that's the only one you remember today, that whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And, and I know <laughs> you can relate to this as, the same way I can. I have had to take words back. I've had to hear my words come back to me. I've had to find out that my words were repeated, and I didn't think they were going to be repeated. And it gives me trouble. And so this is one of those things where you always want to take a moment, and I practice this, and it works very well. I just breathe in, because if I breathe in, I can't talk. And that one to two second breath in helps me think, do I really want to say this? Or how do I want to say this? Am I just going to give myself license to say whatever I want, and I'll just deal with it later? That'll be trouble. I'm sure you've heard this one, Proverbs 13, 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens, his wi his, opens wide his lips comes to ruin. I'm sure you have seen this, especially in our society. 
that when we guard our mouth, it preserves our life. But when we open it wide, it can ruin us. And we have this. We see this in, in, our, in, in all of our, in the political arena. We see this with different public figures that they say these things. And we think, why did they say these things? And they can't take them back. And so it doesn't necessarily always mean that everything they're saying is wrong. It means, was it timely? Was it the proper word choice? The concept might have been appropriate. But were the words correctly chosen? So Matthew 12, 37 says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So you will be either known for who you are, truly who God has called you to be. You will be a light in dark places. Your words will justify you. They will come back around to you as fruit and as help and as support and as honor. Or you're going to be condemned by your words. Those words are going to come back on you and condemn you. So James 1.26, this is, this is a painful one. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That hits home. You think you're a religious person, you think you're a good Christian, but you don't bridle your tongue, you're deceived. Because this person's religion is worthless. So we want to make sure that the words we are using are godly words, that they, that they represent the heart of Christ. They represent the truth, even if the truth is painful, because we can speak the truth without harming people. So Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And, you know, I have to tell you the truth. And I, I speak this frequently when, I'm, when I lecture and when I work with clients. I, I, and you, you may be a little offended by this, but I, I'm amazed at the language Christians allow themselves to use. And I, I'm, all, I'm all for, you know, if we need to say a swear word every now and then, as long as we use it appropriately and it actually matches the situation. But when we are just using swear words as slang, See, th this obscene talk that comes from our mouth causes us to look exactly the way the world looks. We're no different. And we are supposed to be in the world, not of the world. So it doesn't mean that we speak like we're, you know, in 1800 England. It means that we understand the power of words. And if one of those words is the, is the very thing that actually needs to be said, we know that, that when, she, when Jesus was calling uh, the Pharisees whitewashed tombstones, that's similar to saying bastard. It was very powerful language he was using to describe the Pharisees and Sadducees of that day. It was, it was like swear words to them. But he chose them appropriately and knew that was exactly the truth and so he knew what he was doing. So we need to be very careful about the obscenities that come out of our mouths because the world is watching us. 
And so it's great when they can relate to us and we can be casual with them and not scandalized by just who they are and, and what movie they've seen or music they're listening to. But we want to be very careful that we are always wanting them to rise to a higher level of living and not through condemnation or judgment, but through being a light in a shining place, in a dark place, and a kind soul. So Proverbs 15, 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perseverance in it breaks the spirit. Perverseness breaks the spirit. Again, we went from obscene to perversity. A gentle tongue is the tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And John 3, John 1.13, I'm sorry. 3.13. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If this doesn't tell you how powerful words are, there isn't any way to explain how more powerful words are. You are listening to all these words, and my prayer is that it's creating a new way of being. I'm praying that it's opening up a new way of thinking that it's causing you to want to tighten up in the right places and lighten up in the right places. And that you understand you have something to say. God has given you a voice for a reason, and he wants you to use that voice. He wants you to use it to bring light and life and honor and valor and encouragement and direction and guidance and mercy not obscenity and perverseness, lying and slander, spewing hatred. And this is why we want to be different than the world in this way. We want to be in the world where we can relate to the world, we can enjoy the world, but we don't want to be of it. So let's look at Proverbs 29.20. Do you see a man who, has hasty, who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. This is why I'm telling you, just take a breath. Take a breath. If you just breathe in, you can give yourself two seconds to consider what you really need to say or want to say. And in that two seconds, if you can't come up with something that you know is going to be appropriate, just simply say, you know, I have to think about it. I probably shouldn't say anything right now because I don't think what I'm going to say is, is I'm, I'm going to be proud of. I, I, don't, I think I have to, to work on what I'm going to say, so you're going to have to give me a little bit of time. So I'm going to get back to you. And that's very helpful. It's a very helpful boundary to do. So you don't want to be hasty with your words. If you are hasty with your words, a, a fool has more hope than you. Proverbs 10 Verse 19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I mean, we see, we see through all these verses a plumb line. We see a similar heart. It's pretty much all saying the same thing in, in different ways. It's warning, warning about not guarding the tongue. It's warning about hastily speaking from your heart, your emotions, your passion, before you've thought about it. It's warning us to not be indulging in obscenities and perverse talk, lying and slandering, accusing, judgments, 
And so th- this verse, this one, James one twenty two, says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So we're doers of the word. That means you're hearing all these Bible verses on, on the power of words and, and what you can do in the arena you live in, how you can change the place God has placed you. You can have impact. You can have influence. It has everything to do with what you speak and what you don't speak. And so John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no hope at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So the life and spirit of Christ is through his words. So it's knowing his heart. So we are speaking his words. So the words we use sound like the heart of Christ and bring life. And Isaiah chapter 55, 22 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And this is God. This is, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Isaiah. This is the heart of God. And Isaiah is saying, he's wanting the same thing. He's saying, my word needs to go out from my mouth. I don't want it to return back to me empty. I want it to accomplish that which I purpose, which is God's heart and God's mission. And it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So these are very powerful concepts, and I really want you to take time and kind of let some of these sink into your heart. I want you to pick a couple of them that really resonated with you that, you, that you thought, you know, God, I think that you are speaking to me through that verse. I think that's a good check. Or, you know, I'm doing better. I'm doing better than I used to do, but I can still do better. And I really want to hear the, the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, his spirit, his life coming through my words so that there is life that is created by it, there is healing that comes from it, there's hope, and that we look different than the world, but not apart from it so that we can't be related to, or that we, people don't want to be around us because they can't, they can't relate to anything about us. But they look at us and they say, you know, they have peace. I like how it feels when I'm around them. I'm not afraid of them. I don't feel judged, even though we don't lower the standard. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, 26, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's the verse I'm going to leave with you today. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Join me tomorrow with Tim Cameron about the power of words and have a great rest of your day. This is Cynthia Hyatt, Conversations with Cynthia. Check out the website, CynthiaHyatt.com. 
To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.